as we learn about following Jesus, we realize that often it takes a little practice, a little practice to learn how to follow Jesus. Jesus talks about loving our neighbors. Jesus talks about learning how to pray and learning how to give with a faithful and a trusting heart. And that can be tricky to learn how to do those kinds of things that Jesus speaks about. So much so that learning how to follow God sometimes feels a lot like learning how to do this. It seems very simple to do a jump rope routine, but boy, have you ever tried to jump rope? It's hard to learn how to do. At some point, you're going to get hit in the face, let me just tell you. At some part, some point, your feet are going to get tangled up. At some point, you're going to get so frustrated, you're going to take the jump rope, you're going to throw it across the room and wonder why you ever decided to want to do something like that. And learning how to follow God can seem as tricky and as tough as trying to learn how to do something like this. But actually, as you continue to look at what Jesus had to say, as you dig deeper into the lowercase w word of God, the Bible, and begin to learn more about the capital letter W, the word Jesus, you realize that it's more like learning how to do this. Because then you realize Jesus talks about learning how to love enemies. Then you realize Jesus talks more about loving neighbors and praying. He talks about forgiving others 77 times, seven times. Jesus talks about going the extra mile to stand against injustice and oppression. And all of these things, sisters and brothers, are difficult things to learn. And yet, Christ asked us to learn them. Now, what you got to realize, you can't just talk about a risen Savior and all of the hope and glory and victory that comes along with that without remembering to talk about a crucified Lord and all of the pain, suffering, rejection, and evil that was a part of that event as well. Because all of it plays together. All of it works together. All of it is a part of the entire story. We would love to stick with the easy stuff about hope and glory and praise, loving neighbors as ourselves. We can figure that out as long as the neighbors are nice to us, but... The hard part of the story begins to be when we are trying to figure out what the cross really means to us, what suffering really means for us, what it meant to Jesus, how it plays out in our world. What do we do about it? How do we stand against it? How is it a part of our redemption story? Like today, on the surface, this sounds like a pretty nice passage to read. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. John 10, if you use one of those mental book notes, John 10 is all about Jesus talking about being a shepherd and us being sheep. Him explaining that illustration and pulling it out a little more. John 10 is the shepherd chapter. 
But when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, unfortunately, I think we've done something kind of sterile to it. We've made it to be sort of this precious moments kind of image. You've all seen the Bibles and the little things that we sell when kids are born or baptized. It's all so pretty because Jesus is the cute little shepherd. Shepherding is hard work, if I understand it correctly. I can't imagine even trying to be a good shepherd. It's got to be even more difficult. And one of the things we realize about being a shepherd is not that you get to play around with cute little sheep. But you've got to remember there's danger for the shepherd and for the sheep. See, Jesus isn't just a shepherd, and he's not even the shepherd. He calls himself the good shepherd. And there's at least two reasons why he can justify calling himself the good shepherd. And the first is that he lays down his life for his sheep because he has to. There is danger out there. There is turmoil. There are things that the sheep don't even know about, can't even see coming over the horizon. They are in danger so much that they don't realize what could happen to them. So they need a good shepherd to lead them. And Jesus says, I am that good shepherd. Now, I don't know a lot about sheep, and I I think I was under the impression for a long time that sheep are actually, uh, let's see, Dumb. But then somebody clued me in and said, well, you know, they're not necessarily dumb. They're just different. And I said, you've been talking to my wife because. So. I, I heard somewhere that sheep aren't like other animals. The other animals will go out and lead, but sheep just have a natural tendency to follow. They need someone to follow. And now, we don't like being called sheep, and I'm not calling you sheep at all. I'm certainly not saying you're dumb, but here's what we know about ourselves as as human beings with human hearts. What is that song? You're going to have to follow somebody. You're going to have to serve somebody. Oh, it may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. Some wise singer once said, we're going to follow It's who we are as people. Even people who stand independent say, well, I do my own thing. Well, you're doing your own thing that somebody else taught you. They led you in some way. It's just who we are. We follow examples. We have images in our minds of, of how things are supposed to be and how we're supposed to act or how we're supposed to react or things we're supposed to do here and there. We follow. It's just who we are. The question is, who Or what are we going to follow? And Jesus says, I am the good shepherd and my sheep follow me. My sheep know me. My sheep know better. My people know better than to follow the hired hand because they know that the hired hand doesn't care for them. The hired hand is there with the sheep because of how it benefits him, what it does for his own well-being and his own life. And as soon as things get a little hairy, as soon as the wolves start approaching, you can hear the howling. The hired hand says, adios, I'm out of here. And I don't know if you know this, but there are wolves all around us. 
hopefully you hear me that I'm not talking about wolves, one of wolves, literally, I'm talking about those things that surround us and threaten us. Our circumstances that that would do away with us. Jesus said once that someone else came to kill and destroy, but not the good shepherd. The good shepherd says, you are not alone because you are mine. And no matter what comes your way, no matter what surrounds you, no matter what threatens you, I am here with you. You are not alone. You may hear the howling. You may smell them coming. You may hear their, their footprints on the way. But you have to know that there was someone with you who was willing and who is willing to lay down his life for you. And friends, as we consider what our faith means, we understand that that is Jesus. That that is what he did for us so that we would never be alone. I hope you realize how important that is because there are people who drive themselves mad there are people who, who, who can't get out of things like uh, depression and, and addiction because they feel all alone. Feeling alone is a very real thing. I know sometimes we feel like I need to be alone, but that's something totally different. Being alone is something that God's people can never be. Because the good shepherd says, I ain't going nowhere. Y'all with me? I guess sheep are quiet, too. And here's the thing. As we follow the good shepherd, as we begin to learn the voice of our good shepherd, hopefully we begin to follow better. Maybe when we first started, we were kind of dumb. But hopefully as we continue to follow more, learn more about what it means to be a Christ follower, we get better at it. That is the goal of our life. That is what the Holy Spirit does in us, that, uh, that works in us constantly, that grace that is constantly working. We don't come here week after week just so you can hear me talk, just so you can sit where you want to sit, just so you can sing your favorite song. We come here because it is a part of us becoming better followers of Jesus. Y'all with me? And here's the thing. As we are following the good shepherd who says, I am good because I lay my life down for the sheep. And I'm also good because I know my sheep by name and they know me. Someone uh, pointed out recently that you remember the, the book of Revelation, you know, there's the mark of the beast and people talk about the mark of the beast and, you know, six, six, six and Here's what's great. Here's a great visual for you. It's the beast who gives you a number, but it's the Lamb of God in the book of Revelation that knows your name. You aren't a number to God. You are a name. A name worth dying for. And once you hear that name being called, you begin to follow. You begin to find out 
Where is this good shepherd taking me? What is good shepherd trying to show me? What kind of sheep am I going to be? Well, if we're going to follow the good shepherd, it seems like part of that is we need to follow his example. And if his example was that he cares enough about others to know their name, maybe we can learn some other people's names, too. And not just people who show up to church on Sunday morning. And not just names about people or names we want to call people. How about I want to know you enough to know your name? Because when I know your name, I begin to know you. Don't let people be alone. Learn their names. Live with them in faith. And then we also realize, wow. That if the good shepherd, part of what makes him good is that he was willing to lay down his life for his sheep. Oh, man, here's that tough stuff. We have to be willing to lay down our life for one another. And you can try to get out of that all you want. But even both Johns said the same thing. First John, we know love by this. That Christ laid his life down for us. And then he said, if you were paying attention, so we should do what? Lay down our lives for one another. In other words, follow the example of the good shepherd. Now, I'm going to suggest to you right now that actually laying down our life for one another is actually pretty easy. We see examples of it all the time. We understand it. We can articulate it. There isn't a parent in this building, I would presume, who would say, oh, I wouldn't die for my kids. Depends on the day, CJ says. (laughs) But every parent in here knows that if it was to protect their child or their children, they would in a heartbeat, lay down their life. Now, we might be willing to negotiate for a spouse. But for our children, it's a no-brainer. What about law enforcement officers who know that it is a part of their job to put themselves in danger for other people? And think about even as as much joy and as as much pride as there is in a family when a young person says, you know what, mom, dad, I'm joining the military. There's also that sense of fear that family has as well. Why? Because they know that part of the job is laying down your life potentially for somebody else. Maybe for someone who, who comes from the same country of you. Maybe not. But there's that fear. We see it. We know it. Soldiers are willing to lay their life down for others. What about those teachers who protected their students in school shootings? You think they thought twice about what they knew they had to do? They laid their life down for those students. My my point is this, friends. We see this all around us, and we know that there are circumstances that we could easily do that for ourselves. It is easy to lay our our life down for one another. You know what's really difficult? How about living for each other? That's a little more tricky. That's a little more difficult. See, I don't know that Jesus was saying, all right, 
I'm the good shepherd. You're following me. So what I want you to do now is just get yourself in line so you can be the next person killed for the person standing next to you. That's not quite how it works. That's not real life. But what I do think Jesus partly in part was saying, here's the deal. Go put yourself under your neighbor. Be willing to give up yourself for the sake of someone else. Are we good at doing that? I don't know. Have you ever seen how traffic jams begin? It's when someone says, no, it's my place. I'm going. Easy part is laying down our life. The hard part is living for each other. And I think that might be what Jesus is talking about just a little bit more. That our job as people who follow the good shepherd is finding out how I can live for you and for you and for you guys and for you and all of you and how you can live for me and for the people sitting next to you and those neighbors across the street. Oh, my goodness. And those people you don't like. Uh Uh-oh. It's kind of like learning how to jump rope over a city skyline. But this is what we are called to do. It takes practice. But God says we can do it. God wants us to do it. Christ did it. And we can follow in his step. And I know how it is. Sometimes you think, oh my goodness, how can I do this Jesus stuff? Look, I'm here at church. That's good enough. God says, no, I want you to follow. I don't want you to be here. I want you to follow me. Not to church, but into the world. And I know sometimes, oh, there's no way I can do that. I mean, I, I, I just can't do it. That's why I love the story. Excuse me. I love the, the story of Alfred Noble. You, you know him, the Nobel Peace Prizes, right? Uh, give, they're given out every year, Nobel Peace Prize for literature, Nobel Peace Prize for uh, what, peace and everything else. You, you know that's who it's named after. I don't know if you know this, though. Um, he is, part of what he did with his life was invent dynamite. How ironic is it that the man who helped create dynamite, something that blows stuff up, is known as the one who gives out the peace prize every year. And maybe you didn't know this about him either. His brother died one day. And uh, I don't know if you know this, young people, but we haven't always had cell phones or that thing called the Internet. And so, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Shocking. What do we do with our lives, right? One day he got a newspaper, and it was an obituary for Nobel, a Nobel obituary, but it wasn't his brother's obituary. The paper had mistaken, mistakenly wrote his obituary. And in their obituary, of course, they said all the other things, and I... <laughs> Understand this, obituaries have changed. When we write obituaries now, we read them. It's so pleasant. And he touched so many lives and he liked to fish. And she... This obituary went on to talk about Alfred. Went on to talk about his part in creating dynamite. 
and how dynamite has been used to, to, to ruin, quite frankly, so many lives. And he read that obituary. He read his own obituary and said, this is not how I want to be remembered. And he did something different. You and I, we may have our checkered past. We may have the things that we've been a part of or done. That is what it is, friends. That's why there's the cross. That's why there's forgiveness. What the good shepherd says today is, I want you to follow from today. You can change how you will be remembered. You can follow me. It might take some practice, but you can do it. Sisters and brothers, we can do it faithfully. So we should pray. Because I think often, I don't know, I think maybe we're stuck on belief mode. That it's okay. We got the belief in Jesus down and we're good with that, but there's more to it. Jesus gave us the illustration of following because he wants us to follow. And if you want to begin or begin again following God, then would you pray with me, please? Lord, you have offered to us the good shepherd. He is good because he loves us and he lays his life down for us. He is good because he knows every single one of us and cares for us. God, forgive us when we have followed anyone or anything else but the Good Shepherd. Help us to hear his voice and to follow along so that we can be a people in a church that lay our lives down for one another and who even do things as crazy as begin to live for one another so that through us and our lives, others would know how great you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.